Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Piat. I feel like I should be saying Social Work TV or Social Work Video this week, given I'm coming at you through the power of YouTube and uh, other video streaming platforms, as well as your audio podcasting platform of choice. Once again, and always, we are joined by our co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. I mean, I'm so excited to be here in person. Um, we are at our writer's retreat, our summer summer catch, summer up. catch up. Yes, and it's great to actually be able to do a podcast face to face. Yeah, it's good to see you again. So it was a bit of a crazy light last night, though. I'm sorry. We have to start off with an apology because... Poor An apology Ruth. to listeners and visitors who weren't even here. <laughs> Sounds like quite a Catholic thing to be doing. I mean, it certainly works for me. I'm certainly used to doing this every Sunday morning. But, you know, welcome to my world. Well, we were very loud last night, Vince, and you were trying to go to bed. And um, uh, yeah. the other other people that were in the retreat, we were singing Defying Gravity very late last and, night. And uh, you were making me defy sleep, <laughs> unwittingly. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, a good time was had by all. It was indeed. Very much so. So, what are we talking about this week then? Um, well, I mean, I was keen just to deconstruct the behaviour of three, uh, three social workers when they get together. I was keen to do analysis. I've made notes uh, about yeah. disclosures made, things said, and I've cross-referenced that against the evidence available to me. Essentially, last night was an ethnographic study of social workers in the wild. <laughs> Um, but, you know, that isn't the topic today. I'd like it to be. Um, the topic today is uh, about social work reviews. Um, what do your clients really think about you would be the question. I mean, it is, could have been, what does Vince really think about you? I, know. <laughs> I know what you guys think about me because you were drunk. And me. Uh, no, you weren't drunk. You were... Um, you'd had a you'd had a tipple. Let's, let's rephrase it that way. Tiny, a tiny, tipple. tiny well, tipple. This is the thing, though, isn't it? Like it's funny in social work. We'll discuss this slightly before getting the topic. We almost feel there's a sense of guilt in letting our hair down. Do you get mm. that? Oh yes. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is weird. Because, like you know, having a drink on a weekend or even every night, if you want to, is perfectly legal. It's not. Maybe not the suggested course of action, and certainly what, not. not what I condone or get involved in, but. It's normalised, but because we work in a hypersensitive environment within social work, well, you know, let's be blunt, we see the ravages of alcohol, yeah. we see the ravages of, you know, drugs are illegal, but we see the, the ravages of, of behaviours when taken to excess. And because we assess other people on that basis, we can kind of be a bit guilty about admitting it ourselves, but it's bizarre, isn't it, that, you know, we feel yeah. that pressure on us, don't we? We do. Well, that's the first thing that I said to you this morning, was I came in and had to apologise for drunken antics. And oh. I said you've nothing to apologise for. No, that's true. There we go. There's our confessional out <laughs> of the way. Um, let's move on with this week's podcast then. Our topic is, what do your clients really think about you? And as always, listeners, viewers, you know, I'll call them viewers. listeners. I think the, listeners. Major the majority of people will probably still be... You know, we'll probably still be coming at most people through their ears rather than their eyes at this occasion, I think. But both, I suppose, you know. Could be what other senses could we take later? I suppose if we did a you know, we did an in person, we could take late people's uh, you know, touch and I thought feel you were gonna say taste and smell and well, they couldn't taste as good the maybe they could the air would be palpable with the taste of 
a good quality podcast in. <laughs> what would our as podcast? As long as that's the only taste going what would, on. What would our podcast taste like if our podcast was a flavour? What would it be? Would it be the subtle, the subtle comfort of vanilla? No, would it be the I'd... dark exotic chocolate, or would like it be something... the, uh, the 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 raspberry ripple? You know, vanilla with a with a heart of uh, red goodness veining through it. No, I think something fruity, something like a tutti frutti. Tutti frutti. <laughs> tutti, I'm not a tutti frutti man. I'd be Are more. Of a, I'd be more no. of a. I uh, if I was going to pick a, uh, let's have an ice cream. What ice cream flavor would you be? Not the podcast, and then we'll, we'll make it because you can sometimes get two scoops, can't you? Like when I go to an ice cream parlor, I'll be like, uh, I'd have a scoop of usually a scoop of rum and raisin is a personal favorite of mine, nice. and maybe mix that with uh, uh, a scoop of uh, I like a honeycomb crisp. Ooh, so, nice. what would you be if you were that, that'd be my I'm not sure I would be that, but that'd be my if you were if you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be and why? You only get one scoop though, and we'll be a scoop each, I and mean, then we'll serve that up uh, in a one of those small uh. Cups, <laughs> small. Cups. So what, what do you call it? Cones, not cone? Because you know, I don't, I don't like a cone. I like a cup. Do you? The problem with a cone is it gets down your hand and you have a bite at the bottom and you're sucking it out the bottom like you're taking a beer bong, like a, an ice cream bong. <laughs> okay. Shoot, well, ice cream flavor. Go. My favorite ice cream. Flavor. No, no, it's what you In, want. Uh, no, I'm just going to go with my favourite ice no, cream. Wow. Mixed berry. Gym, mixed berry. And, what, and if you were to attribute your personal qualities as a social worker and a human being to a mixed berry, what's a mixed up fruit I, about you? I don't know. It's just my favourite flavour. You're so, a mixed up fruit. Mixed up fruit. That's what you are. <laughs> Got fruit loose. You're a mixed up <laughs> fruit. fruit. And there probably is wonky fruit in that as well, because the, Quite you know, you're, you're a mixed up wonky fruit. Oh, thanks. But I feel loved, really insulted. But, <laughs> You're the one who chose this ice cream. <laughs> yeah, but you've made it weird. You're the one that chose it. So if you don't, if you don't interpret it for yourself, other people will interpret it for you. Uh, okay, you, right. Can we just you, move on? You mixed it. Well, I haven't right. picked my ice cream now, have I? You already picked, said rum and raisin. That's my favourite, but that's not what it would be. Okay, what this would This is where be? you've got it wrong. You haven't thought about this like I have. I go around my time. Go, I go about my average day cutting about thinking, what ice cream would I be? That's like a BuzzFeed quiz. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, what kitchen utensil that's, am I going to pick? That, and that's why, that's why I write stuff for, for the website, like the top ten... Top ten. So this could be now. Listeners could uh, be could be checking out mysocialworknews.com next week, and it could be uh, the top five ice creams that represent your skills as a person-centered social worker. I'd love to see this that. Is kind of I mean, this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of thing we do. This is what we do. I'd be a rocky road. A rocky road. That's what I'd be because <laughs> I'm difficult for you to manage, like rocks on a road. You never know what you're going to get. You might have. Oh, what's this? Is that a is that a marshmallow? Um, is that a marshmallow? Cherry. Is that a glass of cherry? Oh, someone's thrown a raisin in there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? The texture's a bit rough, but smooth, melts in your mouth. But sometimes you might get a, a cornflake jar in your gum. Oh God! <laughs> so I am. I'm a rocky road, <laughs> and you like that it would, or not? Well, that actually suits your personality just perfectly. Oh, so a rocky road. Let's rock on with this let's, podcast. Let's move on swiftly. Like swiftly, I could. Have, I, I genuinely, I could have talked about ice cream. I know you could. <laughs> we're not moving on for your benefit. We're not moving on for my benefit. We're moving on for yours. Okay, that's I could good. have kept on that rocky road, you could taking have. it to its bitter end. Yeah, which left you on the side with a flat. 
And I hoping think, for assistance. I think this is when our listeners turn off because well, this people want more. This is what people. This is what people want. I really don't think it is. I, I, I promise you, there are people out there screaming out for social. There are people out there ice creaming out. Oh no! For, oh, Vince. There are people out there ice screaming out <laughs> for Rocky Road themed social work content, and you're blocking it. I am blocking it because I think we are it. off off topic. Come on! This is the this is the this is the real quiz. This is the real show. It was just it's, we bamboozled. People said we were going to talk about what clients really think about you, but the actual podcast is ice cream say. flavors. Okay. What ice? No, no. We are going to move on. What do your clients really think about you? So. Um, on this week's show, we are discussing two articles that we've had on the website. Uh, one from one of our columnists, uh, Maisie McDonald. She wrote an article which is entitled, I'm a social worker and assess people for a living, but thank God nobody's assessing me. Certainly not assessing them from the ice cream framework. I could, I could coin that. That could be a new thing. Signs of safety, parent assess, the ice cream framework. I mean, it sounds quite... Attractive to, to clients, I'm sure. You'd be a waffle corn. Um, <laughs> I'm mortally offended now. <laughs> You're a waffle. That's exactly what a waffle corn I, would say. That's what You're a the one that's corn. waffling. Come on. You're the waffle corn. Because you're the recipient of my waffle. <laughs> right. Oh, give me strength. <laughs> and the other piece that was uh, covered um, was 10 brutally honest things your social work clients would say about you if they could write reviews. So we're going to cover this and encapsulate it within the overall topic of uh, what do your clients really think about you. So um, I'm going to go over Maisie's story and just have a quick uh, sort of review of that, see what we think. So Maisie's story was, I'm a social worker and assess people for a living, but thank God nobody's assessing me. And the general vibe of Maisie's piece was, she spent her entire career thus far doing assessments. From that, I don't know a job that I minute. Mean, I kind of know, but I don't know a job exactly. But look, I think she's currently working in fostering and adoption because a lot of the assessments she talks about are like um, formats, adopting yeah. and, and you know, um, and, and, you know, considering potential um, foster carers, and also doing SGO assessments, considering potential special guardians. And she also talks about, she must have worked in Safeguard before, and I think she has, because she's discussed that in previous pieces. So basically she said, I've done maybe hundreds, if not thousands of assessments. Um, but she fears what it would feel like them being done to her. And she kind of lists what it goes with. I found this quite, you know, kind of brutal, actually, when you see exactly what she, when she explains what people go through. She says, you know, I need to see around people's homes. I need to interview people that they put forward as referees. That would be in terms of, you know, um, a foster and adoption assessment, take a look at bank statements, ask people about every aspect of the childhood, their love lives, the work history, how they did at school. She needs to see people's criminal records, notes from the GP. She has to ask them to recount the worst parts of their lives. And then after hearing what they tell me and cross-referencing against the other evidence I have, put my own spin on things and type it on to an assessment report that will sit on their file forever. Now, I do that on a daily basis that's what I do I, I assess you know I just mm -hmm. working as an independent social worker that's what I singularly do and it's not lost on me that that's intensive because I always you know with my therapeutic background I'm a counselling trader and I'm very person-centred I always come at it from a sense of empathy but when you see somebody setting out how difficult it is to do that as the assessor not mm -hmm. the person being assessed it kind of shines a stark light on it really and you know Maisie's view is that she wouldn't like that being done 
to her. And we did a podcast not that long ago, didn't we? Where we assessed one another. We did. Uh, I uh, did a, a rudimentary common assessment framework on you and uh, you didn't like it, did you? I did not. And I don't know if that was just because it was role play, which you know is not my favourite topic. Um, but no, it is uncomfortable. We have to talk mm. about such intimate things with yeah, the people yeah, that yeah. we're supporting. It's, it, it's very intrusive mm. and uncomfortable. And I think we've always got to remember that as social workers because we expect people just to tell us and, and sometimes on that first visit, you're still trying to get that a yeah. huge amount of information and you're just a stranger. You just walked in their house. Um, so it's an incredible privilege, I think, to be in that position, but very hard to put yourself sometimes in that person's shoes. Now, we might get that, and you know, I genuinely believe that we do. I can certainly speak for my own practice and what I'm aware of yours. I think you know, we, we do work in that style. Does every social worker, is every social worker mindful of the power and gravitas of assessments and needn't uh, not just rattle through it? It's not just a perfunctory duty, but this is someone's life. Do you think that is embedded as much as it should be within our practice? I'd like to say I hope so, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, certainly when I'm delivering training, one of the first things that we talk about is human rights mm. and the breach of Article 8, right to your private and family life. Yeah. That's to offset that duty to protect someone's private and family life to then assess them. Mm -hmm. There has to be really significant reason to yeah. do that. It's got to be justified and you've got to do that very sensitively. And I think when you put it into that context of a human rights setting, that kind of brings it home that it's we're agents of the state effectively mm. we're we're part of rishi's well certainly for our uk listeners rishi sunak's people that go out and do this agent well state work we always have been whether it's rishi sunak or whether it's or any whoever, yeah, it whoever it is and wherever our listeners are coming from social workers as much as we dislike the idea if we don't agree with a particular government we are mm -hmm. we're an extension of the arm of the government we're there and to enact legislation as part of the welfare state which is as the name suggests the state yeah and it can be difficult at times but I, I think one of the things that frustrates me there's many things that frustrate me and such as that's exactly what a rocky road kind of person would say of um, there are many things that frustrate me but perhaps you know one of the ones that is recurring is the clients that I work with having never been sat down before uh, and properly read their rights and sort of gone through, well, you do know, you know, you do know this is a child in need process. You can, you know, you, you can say no. You don't have to open your door. You know, you can be honest. You can explain this. You can sort of push back if you want to. This is what an assessment is. And really like, you know, uh, a one-on-one on assessments. Well, do you know what an assessment is? Do you know what a social worker does? Do you know what this is going to happen? Do you know what a child protection review is? Do you know what a child protection plan is? Do you know what an independent review officer is? This I don't get this now in independent work because, you know, everybody that I work with is an independent social worker. The local authorities that I work with and instruct me and solicitors have been universally brilliant across the board. I'm very, very grateful for the high-quality skilled people that I work with and working in a more specialised field now. But certainly when I was still doing frontline social work as a manager and assistant manager and senior social worker, social work, whatever role that I've fulfilled over the past decade, time and time again I would come in as a new social worker and sit with a mum or a dad or you know, the children mm. and they really wouldn't have a clue what was being done to them. They knew something was being done to them and they yeah. were almost like you know a, a leaf on a stream being carried along unwillingly. 
And I used to think it was just so very, very wrong. Wrong on two fronts. Wrong on the fact that this person wasn't being dealt with as a human being and given mm. the fundamental human rights and being explained. Well, you've got a right to a private family life. You yeah. can't just, you just have to fling open your door and let anybody in. But secondly, by not establishing that rapport and congruence with the people you support, it makes everything so much harder. It does. Because you're asking people questions, but they don't know why. One of the worst things that I ever encountered along that line was I was working with a, a young mother, a very vulnerable young mother. She had mental health issues. She'd gone through trauma and she lacked some capacity in certain areas, but she was a good person. She was a good, she just needed help. She just needed a bit of support. And I was chatting to her and she'd mentioned that a social worker would come out and started asking her. She hadn't seen a social worker for ages because the children were out of her care. And she mentioned that a social worker had come out to see her and had started asking her questions about her childhood, you know, checked what her eye colour was and checked if she had any medical history. And she said, I don't know why, he just suddenly came out. I hadn't seen him for months and he came out one day and just started asking me these questions. If you, do you know what those questions would be for? I can guess. Those questions... Adoption. Are, are, yeah, those questions are adoption questions. They're, oh. they're part... They're part of a child's permanence report. So yeah. those are questions that are necessary for a CPR. And I, I just thought that practice is absolutely abhorrent. The fact absolutely that you, you, can't, you, you wouldn't visit a mother for months and months and months while the children were in care. You would go out, out of the blue mm. when you realised you had to get this information because you had a deadline coming. You would sit down with this mother, not explain that, by the way, I'm asking you these questions because we're, we're putting your children forward for adoption. And you would sit and you would ask this mum specific questions and she wouldn't have a clue. And I thought just how, I, honestly... It it's me, giving me chills. Yeah, yeah. How it do you is think giving I, me yeah, chills. That, yeah. I, honestly, I, I, felt like, I felt like crying when I heard that because it was just such a, an abhorrent thing to do. I can't describe it in any other way. It no. was an abhorrent thing to do to such an underhand and devious thing to do to go and speak to someone because it only served you and to seek questions for your paperwork and not have the common decency to say, well, you know what we're doing? You know why I'm asking these questions? And I thought, you know, it's, it's disgusting practice. Luckily, that story appears as if it has ended okay in the end. And that was, you know, this was a long time ago I'm talking about, but... It's just things like that where we don't engage. And, you know, no wonder sometimes social workers get a bad rep. No wonder. Because one one social worker has to do that once. Yeah. And then if the solicitor finds out about it, if a barrister finds out about it, if, if, if we'll get on, if a parent leaves a review about it, then, of course, everyone's going to think, well, every, every, well, God, if social workers do that, is that what they're taught to do? Is that the norm? So, um yeah, it's uh, it is very very difficult if we don't accept that. Um, let's talk about reviews then. A bit more of a light-hearted. Hopefully, this little I've given you chills and see if I can give you thrills. <laughs> Wild ride as always. <laughs> it is, it's a rocky road. Um, so the main sort of thrust of today's podcast, guys, is just uh, based around this pod, uh, this uh, this article on mysocialworknews.com, which is 10 brutally honest things your social work clients would say about you if they could write reviews. Um, so I'll read out some of these, you know, because I think they're hilarious. Of course. <laughs> Check it out. These are brilliant. Um, poker face expert, five stars. What's a weekend? Psychic or social worker? My social worker must have a side gig as a psychic. Master of resourcefulness. The ultimate scapegoat. 
Ah, my social worker, the unsung hero, absorbs all of my frustrations without batting an eyelid. I've blamed him for the weather, traffic, losing paperwork, forgetting meetings, my lost keys, and even my milk going off. Yet there he is, patient and understanding, helping me redirect my anger into something constructive, or even just let me vent it towards him. So guys, if you want to check out mysocialworknews.com, have a look. 10 brutally honest things your social work clients would say about you if they could write reviews. It's hilarious if I do say so myself, and I do say so myself. So modest, aren't you? Um, <laughs> right, on a serious note. Should client feedback be sought more often than more formally, or should it even be a given? Every time we finish a piece of work, finish an assessment, should there be a sit down with a client, score me out of 10, shoot? I mean, maybe not scoring out of 10, but definitely we need to be sort of seeking more client feedback. We really struggle with this mm. as social workers. And I think it's it's partly because we're in such a powerful position and we don't like to admit that because it's an uncomfortable truth. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. as agents of the state, we're often doing something too because there's a statutory reason why we have to. And if people don't have a choice about why they have a social worker in their life, then it's a really difficult position for them to then give honest feedback. I mean, some people do give brutally honest feedback yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's helpful and healthy in a way. But otherwise, people, I don't think, would want to necessarily share what they truly thought because they'd be frightened that it could come back and impact on them, especially if you're looking at like child protection yeah. because that they your record never goes away. And if they get a re-referral, well, that's going to be on your file. And if you've been slagging off the social worker, it. There, there's going to be that fear, isn't there? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it is something that we need to do more of, but I think it's very difficult to, to get a true representation about what people feel about us. Yeah, you're correct. It has to be a cultural change. I mean, personally, I think it should be done as a matter of course in every single person we engage with. Mm. I think it, uh, it, you know, for me, coming from a counselling background, I'm doing my counselling training and, and trying where I can ethically and to the best of my abilities embed that into my practice with people. I found it incredibly useful. It's certainly, you know, well, I think probably the best thing, the best thing I ever did in terms of bringing on my abilities as social worker was doing my counselling course. Um, in counselling, you contract at the beginning and the end. And we quite often see it if we work with clients who've had CBT at the start, yeah. we'll score them out of uh, 10 in terms of the scale, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of your anxiety. At the end, they'll have a closure. I think that would be brilliant to do in social work yeah. every time. Where do you, well, okay, start, you can just imagine yourself sitting down with the client, the first initial assessment, mean. Okay, these are what I think the concerns are. How would you score yourself? Like in child crowd protection, we do it within the standards of safety. Yeah. Where do you see yourself right now? Where do you want to be? How can we write? Okay, you see yourself as a four. I might see you as a two, but you see yourself as a four. Okay, let's have a chat with three. So immediately you've got some congruence there because you're saying, well, yeah, okay, you see yourself a bit better. I get that. Yeah. And you wouldn't you wouldn't criticize the client for that. You would say, well, I get why you see yourself a better because you you're the expert of your own life. Of course you're going to see okay. yourself better because when we see a client, we see what we know of them. When someone Tiny sees themselves, of course we do. Exactly. We only see the extent. We only see the worst because when you yeah. get a referral, what is the referral? The worst thing you can say about somebody. Yeah. This person's done that. Doesn't tell you about all the good things they've done. It just tells you about the police call out. God. So I think we do that at the start. And we do that at the end. We even do it in a midway review. And, and I think giving people that power is incredibly important. But you have to have a cultural change. Not only that we embed this as an aspect of our practice, but and this is key. We move away from a blame culture because social workers will not like to hear that. No. Social workers won't like to, even if there's nothing they can do. Bad news is difficult to hear, of course mm. it is. Everybody finds criticism difficult to hear. 
if you can embed that in your practice and you can have your social workers and clients knowing that you know, you're not sharing bad news with me, you're just sharing honest news with me. Mm. And then you get people with you on the journey. Not only that, but you improve practice as well. Because if we know what we're doing wrong, then we can do better. If we know what we're doing yeah. well, we can do more of. The other really important thing that this would do as well is it would give us a wider scope of views. Right now, we get polarised views in social work. We get the very best stories, which is, you know, a client who's had an exceptional experience, a young person mm-hmm. who's done a bit of direct work, letter to the judge or something, however it might be expressed. Um, and that's always held up. Everyone gets an email. You, you always see it. Oh, brilliant. Susan's got a good bit of feedback. Terry's been told he's a brilliant social worker. And rightly so. We, we, yeah. do, we need, do need to know more. We do need to know more of that. And then you get the extremes of the other end, which you get formal complaints, filing yeah. ombudsman or mm-hmm. n- nasty comments on Facebook or Twitter. Or, God forbid, I've seen, seen sometimes posters of social workers posted around towns. You know, she stole my kids, he stole my kids, and so on. You see videos on Facebook, YouTube and all sorts. You get polarised views. Now, neither of those are right. No. So I think what we tend to do when we get polarised reviews in social work like we do... We cling tightly to the positive ones and say, brilliant, we, we might even only have three examples, but let's all, like a little ember of a fire, let's gather around these positive reviews and gain what heat we can off it. And the negative reviews we dismissed. Yeah. But for me, I think you have to take them all evenly. Yeah. Fair enough, we might not agree with people having negative views and they might be expressing it in a very hateful way, but there's a truth behind that. Mm. There's a, there is, it may not be our truth, but it's their truth. Yes. It's their perception yes. of truth. and. Why do they feel that way? What was explained? Now, it may, it may be there's nothing you can do about it, of course. you know, If my kids were lost from my care, I would very likely be very angry, and there isn't much I could mm. do about that either. I might vent like that there, but for the grace of God, go I. But because we allow reviews to be at the behest of clients, mm-hmm. we don't get a fair spread. No, we don't. And we need a fair spread, would be my argument. Um, how would you feel if we were all reviewed publicly then? Because it's all well and good us saying, right, okay, which is what, what councils would do. We know that councils wouldn't do publicly, but we would say the best system is you go out, you have a sheet at the start, like I've said. You have one in the middle, one at the end, and the council uses that for our own purposes and own development. What if it was like Yelp or Google Maps or Glassdoor or Rate My Academic, whatever that website is, and every, <laughs> or Hot or Not. It used to be a website called Hot or Not when I was a young man. When you go on, you would give people that right now. I don't know, 10, are you Love hot or not? <laughs> that, you years know about that. that was like 2003, that was like before <laughs> Facebook. Um, hot or not, I wonder if it still exists. Don't go on it, listeners, because, you know, sometimes these websites are like, you know, they've been bought been by someone over, and there could yeah. be something. something you felt, could be recommending could something. Be recommending. Well, I'm, well, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm actively saying, you know, be careful. If you Google and look at that, don't do it around kids. Um, or use your work laptop. Don't do that. No, don't use your work laptop. No, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. don't, don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, why, why don't you use your work laptop so your wife doesn't find out? <laughs> good idea. But your IT department will know and so will your HR. That's a good podcast question, actually. That would be a good uh, a good topic for a podcast. Would you rather, and we fire up a bit of information, would you rather your manager found out about this or your partner? <laughs> what would you rather? <laughs> I think a partner, might, a manager, would be more likely to keep secrets about certain things. Depends on the manager, but yes. I've known yeah. managers cover up affairs. Have you? Yeah. Oh. 
Oh. Oh. Oh, this has taken a different turn. Not mine. Not mine. <laughs> not, not yours, no. Well. well <laughs> my manager said let, that. <laughs> let, let me tell you about what a lovely lady that my last manager, Julie, was. I told her about my multiple affairs and she just kept it mum. She said, well, Vince, as long as your work doesn't slip, you can do what you like. <laughs> if anything, it appears to be motivating you. You're certainly in the office later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm less stressed. Yeah, less stressed. You, you came with the bumps today. You must be enthusiastic You're for work. Positively glowing. Yeah. I'm enthusiastic for the receptionist. <laughs> okay. What? Where, what, what were we even talking? About? I don't know. I was just getting excited. Um, if we were all reviewed publicly, mm-hmm. how would you feel about that? <laughs> you know, there was a public record of everything oh. you'd ever done, including your affairs with colleagues. Uh, no affairs, thank you very much. Stop it. I can kick you Not under affair, the table. Not affairs, just relationships. You're <laughs> your relationships with colleagues. But nobody but your manager knew about and the colleague who was giving you a five-star review. Lovely night had. Public. <laughs> Stop it. <sighs> this is what I have to put up with. This is what we do. This is what we do. And it's annoying. But is it annoying? Cause you, you get know, four stars. You get four stars, that. For being what? obtuse on the date, you would get four stars and that. You'd lose a star for that. And you'd be... I say, she's the... all right. She's nice, but a bit too cheeky. Talks back too much. Not as supportive as I would want. And, and what would we say about you? Um, lovely man. <laughs> Makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> Funny. Right. Disarming. Disarmingly candid. Are you quite done? Interrupts a lot. Very much so. <laughs> should we be reviewed publicly by our clients? Um, should we be reviewed? But well, I mean, it does happen, doesn't it? I mean, Good. there's there's slate your social workers and name and shame your social worker sites out there, um, and I'm sure people do. They post it all over social media, so I think that kind of happens. Certainly, when people have a bad experience, um, freedom of speech. As much as it can be uncomfortable, I believe that people should be able to... There should be no censorship. Mm. I think that's a, a core value. I mean, there's. don't get me wrong, you have to have consequences for your actions. And if you do something threatening or 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 make, do something illegal, then you need to have consequences. But I don't think that people should be censored and people can say what they like. I think there is a great divide in this depending upon what field of social work you work in. Mm-hmm. Child protection social work is a field that we, nine times out of ten, are involved with families who didn't seek that support themselves. They may be yeah. welcome of it eventually, but it's very, very different. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's say that I am reviewing a film, you know. So I've got an option of a film to review. And uh, I, uh, you know, I intentionally went to see... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, and I, because I, I chose to see that, I would give it ooh, an eight point five out of ten. Quite high. Or yeah, it was good. It was a good. I like Indiana Jones. I know. Like Indy, one of my favourites. I like he's a good man. He's a decent man, Indy. Um, or if I was forced to go and see Barbie, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but let's just say I didn't like it. I might give it a four. I think it'd be right up your street. I think you'd love it. I might, I might. Um, I probably will go and see it. I mean, my, my daughter wanted to see it, but apparently, oh, um, 
It's meant to be not like a Barbie film. It's meant no. to be a bit dark. No. Dark Barbie. Darby. <laughs> no, I don't think it's for a seven-year-old. I think that's no. probably inappropriate parenting. Well, I know that. I know. Oh, I know. Good job you know. See? Five stars again because he's a good dad. <laughs> now, I'll give you that. That's the one thing I'll give you. <laughs> well, at least some woman. I know there's one woman out there who'd give me five stars. A little woman. My little daughter. Your little daughter, exactly. Now, um, I think that like, therein lies the problem. Mm. You know, it's like I chose to see Indiana Jones, but I was given Barbie. So if you're reviewing something when you don't have a choice, no, it's very, very different. And I think that it, if you're reviewing something you don't have a choice, but you frame that review within the context of not having a choice, we have to consider it within the context of how those reviews yeah. are being given. Um, let's end on this one. What review would you give yourself as a social worker? Mm. And then a bit next, I'm going to give you a review. Oh, God. And I don't know you as a social worker, but I'm going to... Well, I know, I know you, and I know you are a social worker, but I've never witnessed you... No, you haven't. No. Uh, ...in full flight, <laughs> like a horse galloping across the field. <laughs> I've only seen you in the livery yard. Right, okay. Um... I haven't seen you canter. Right. Would you canter? Would you stop interrupting? Would you describe your social work style as a canter, a gallop, or a trot? What else can horses do? What can they do? Horses can canter, gallop, trot, walk, walk. What's the difference between a walk and a trot? What's faster? Trot. What's the slowest movement a horse can do? Walk. So we can walk. What's the next one? Trot. Walk, trot, canter, canter, gallop. So there's four. How would you just? What, what is your general approach to social work? Do you walk in the social work? Do you trot? Do you canter or gallop? I'm quite a walker. I'm quite a. I'm a laid back. I'm a trotter. <laughs> like Del Boy. Definitely. I'm like Del Boy. I'd be well at Rodney, wouldn't I? I'd be the Rodney. You'd be granddad. Yeah. You'd be on Galbert. That's a you'd be. Okay, right. Um, no, I'm quite a laid-back social worker. And I, I like to go in and be the calming presence. I think people get very heightened very easily. We're working in high crisis situations, a lot of tension, emotion. So I like to go in and just calm, bring everything so down. So I'm Pause. saying the review now. I'm, 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 I'm manifesting it. The review is going to be, the title of the review is going to be Tilly the Trotter. Tilly the Trotter, you have given yourself a review what would what would you say were your good qualities? Oh, no, this is really hard. This is people find this. Well, I certainly find it really uncomfortable to talk about the positive. I could talk all day about things that I don't do right. Might write a negative um, review about yourself, then you're angry, <laughs> you're inflamed. <laughs> you've just been into a restaurant and you've had uh, lukewarm soup, and there was a fly in your baguette. Ooh, Imagine nice. you're in that mindset. I'm going to leave a bad review about myself. You've been um, wronged by you. You've wronged yourself. Well, it's normally because. I end up making people cry because I have to be very honest in my assessments. And that's so most of the assessments I do are deprivation of liberty, safeguard assessments. So Tilly deprived my liberty. Tilly Would that be the headline? My, my liberty. Tilly deprived my, <laughs> Tilly deprived my liberty. <laughs> and it's, well, no, on a serious note, it's it's a very uncomfortable topic to be talking about with people because you're, you're taking away their freedoms, but you're safeguarding their rights whilst you're doing this because yeah. you're making sure that it's right necessary proportionate in their best interest but to hear that news sometimes when you say look actually you're not 
you're not safe living on your own. Yeah. Um, you're in hospital because we can't let you go home yet. Or you're in a care home because your partner can't cope for you, cope with you anymore. Or you've been out and about and you've got yourself into a lot of problems. That's a really difficult thing to hear. Yeah. But you have to be honest because that's the whole point. When you're assessing someone's capacity to make a decision, you've got to give them all the relevant information. And that can be really hard to hear. So I unfortunately often end up making People get very upset and emotional. That's not about you, though, is it? It's that's not, the thing. So you're, no. that, that's not your qualities because every, anyone would have to do that. Yeah. So and tell actually, me about the, your people, the people that, that then don't make them upset is probably they're not giving them the right information. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if, it's how we deliver bad information. It's not the fact that we can avoid giving people bad information if it is the right thing. And it is the right thing many times. It's how we do that. So... What qualities would you do you bring to that then? How do you what what are your qualities? You've got to do that regardless. So any reviews regarding that, you know, just like complaints, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we get well a lot of the complaints we get in social work are simply for social workers doing their jobs well. Yeah. yeah. Well well done, they've done the job well. How do you, what qualities do you bring that you think make you better at having to do those difficult tasks? I think it comes back to empathy and compassion. Empathy. And just being able to sit there and hold that safe space for someone and be kind about how you deliver that news. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it kind of goes back to bedside manner. It's what sometimes our health professionals can sometimes lack in um but being having those people skills being able to build those relationships and putting someone at ease and even if they're getting upset and you're having to to talk about those really difficult conversations Mm. being able to support them and hold that that conversation safely yeah i like it what about you then um yes i'm just i was just thinking then about the feedback that i get most often um People, clients that I work with appreciate my honesty. I'm always yeah. straight. I tell people right from the start, look, this is the assessment. These are the three likely outcomes that could potentially happen. Um, this is what the law says about the situation. This is your rights. This is who you should speak to. If you've got issues regarding the assessment, speak to me. If you've got issues regarding the general day-to-day care needs of your children, speak to the social worker. If you've got any concerns regarding the legal side of things, speak to your barrister or solicitor. If you've got any concerns regarding the child's representation within proceedings, speak to the children's guardian because most of the assessments that I'm instructing on as an independent social worker tend to come when they're already in court proceedings. Yeah. And I'm just very straight up with people. Um, what I do as well that people tend to reflect well upon is I will look for the good as best as I can. I will always look for the good in people. And there is always good. There's, there's always. always good. Yeah. And I think... Some, a lot, some, I've got to say a lot, a lot of social work assessments that I read, if they are a negative assessment, the whole assessment will be almost predicated upon trying to build the case for a negative mm. outcome. And you can see a slightly negative stance being put on everything. It's as if the analysis and outcomes been written before the assessment. And I get that's, you know, I get that that's in people's minds. Of course it's yeah, in your mind. Because yeah. if you've done if you've done the whole work and you know there's some things which are simply irredeemable, there's no other choice but to deliver a negative assessment. But what I do is I make sure that my assessments are fair and balanced as much yes. as possible. Because everybody has good in them and you've got to see that. And then what I found by doing that is um when you get to the cross examination stage when you're in court and your assessment's being cross examined, 
any good points that have pa- passed out, you know, a parent's barrister might rightly say, you know, well, Mr. P, you know, um, do you believe that this parent loves the child? Well, of course, I put it in my assessment. Yeah. Do you think they were doing well until this point? Yes, I put it in my assessment. And I always mm. think that if you can, my assessment's really long, you know, some of them is about 16,000 pages, 16,000 words. 16,000 pages. 16,000 <laughs> words are usually about 100 pages or so for the assessments. But I believe in, you know, when you're in a position when you're making the determination and giving a view on where a child should spend their entire lives, you shape somebody's entire life. And I think yeah. the gravity that comes with that, and it, this is why I have incredibly high standards for the work that I do, because if you cannot apply the highest of standards and the most robust of standards to write in a report which will ultimately determine or potentially yeah. very significantly determine the outcome of a child's entire life, then you are in the wrong job entirely. If you're trying to breeze through that and rush it through quickly on a Friday afternoon, you're in the wrong job entirely. So yeah, and that's probably the feedback that I get most often is is I'm very fair with people, I'm very just with people, I'm very straight up. And I I always deal with people as, as human beings. You know, yes. touch wood, I've never once had anyone be aggressive or shout at me or swear at me. And I quite often go into homes where, you know, I'm instructed because... A relationship between a, a client and social worker is entirely broken down. There's no other option but to instruct an independent social worker. Yeah. And immediately, I'm a social worker. I and mean, if people don't mm. like social workers, they inevitably don't like me as well. And that's yeah. fair enough. You, you 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 know that you're starting from five steps back. Yeah. You've immediately got to get those five steps forward just mm-hmm. to establish a normal base of congruence. And again, this is why having a, a, a person-centered approach and having that grounding and counseling massively helps. Because if you can always look into people and see the best... And I always have this frame of mind. There's two mantras which I have more than any other, which I always put in my mind. And I quite often find myself saying it to myself in my head. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah. If I'd have experienced the adverse childhood experience that that person had experienced, well, I'd have probably been in a worse position. I often mm-hmm. look at the people I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how are you here? I, I, I'm not as strong as you. They might be in very low moments, but I'm thinking, well, you're still fighting, you're still talking to me, you're still wanting your kids back. Brilliant. Yeah. It's better than I could do. And I also think good people do bad things. Yes. And I think if you come from the basis of good people do bad things, then you're not going to go far wrong. Yeah. And then you can put that in your assessment. You can put that in your assessment report. When somebody's reading that report, even if it's negative, I like them to think, well, actually, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't just built an agenda. There wasn't a rush to turn everything bad to try and strengthen the argument for you know an outcome where the children can never return to my care. Um, they are looking at the positives. And equally, if it's a positive assessment, if it's a positive assessment, well, I reflect on the negatives as well because obviously mm. there's going to be negatives because they wouldn't have ended up in that situation no. that meant bad <laughs> things. And, you know, they'll be, well, actually, these are negatives, but I think the they are not as significant as they were. I think they'll be managed by these interventions. You can put together a learning plan. And that that's the approach I take. And I think even if I got negative reviews, I... I wouldn't argue with them because I'd know that I'd done my best and those negative reviews were probably things that I couldn't change because it would be the outcome, not the process. Couldn't say it better myself. We'll end on that note, listeners. Um, As always, thank you ever so much for tuning in or or watching us as it will be on this week. Um, We will be back next week with who knows what. Until then, it would be much appreciated if you... If you could, we've reviewed ourselves, now you review us. If you head over to uh, iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts, or even leave a comment or give it a thumbs up or a subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, that will be most appreciated. And we will read it out on next week's show. 
Uh, as always, you can check out the uh, content that we've been discussing on mysocialworknews.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn by also looking for Social Work News. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. 